Hey, everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, I am very happy to have back on Off the Couch, Michaela Gralia. Earlier this year on Off the Couch, we published a two-part conversation with Michaela, and that was one of my favorite conversations from this entire past year. And our focus was on Michaela's background and on his new book, Ultra, which I would strongly encourage all of you to read. So we will include links to those previous Off the Couch conversations in the show notes to this episode. And that will provide some helpful context, I think, for today's conversation. But for now, one of the things you should know about Michaela is that he has racked up a number of major victories in his career, including wins at the Badwater 135, the Yukon Arctic Ultra, the Moab 240, and more. But in this conversation, rather than focusing on some of the highs and the victories, Michaela and I talk more about some of his recent struggles and disappointments and difficulties, and Michaela talks quite candidly about what he's learned along the way and what he's still learning. Now, before we get started here, I want to tell you about this upcoming Blister Summit that we are going to be holding in our home of Mount Crested Butte, Colorado. So if you happen to be like Michaela and are not only a runner, but also a skier, you should know about this Blister Summit. We will include links to it in the show notes of this episode, but in brief we are bringing together a number of ski brands and industry professionals and athletes to Mount Crested Butte, and you will be able to try out and demo a whole bunch of new ski equipment, including backcountry touring equipment, and you'll have the opportunity to go on guided tours with professional guides around Crested Butte. So yeah, this is a great event and a really good time. And again, we will include links to the Blister Summit in the show notes of this episode. And we will also include a link to our guide that we call Getting Here, Gunnison and Crested Butte. And this provides a bunch of logistical information about how to get to the Gunnison Valley. Uh, It includes up-to-date information on flights. So lots of good reading and good intel in that. Also, fun fact, after Michaela and I were done recording, he let me know that he is likely going to be coming out to Crested Butte at some point this winter and so it sounds like he and i are going to get to actually do some skiing ourselves together and so i am really looking forward to that but for now i am very happy to be sharing another excellent conversation with michaela and i am confident that you are going to appreciate getting michaela's perspective and hearing him talk about some of the ups and downs of this past year So let's get to it. Well, Michaela, I'm very happy to be speaking with you again. Welcome back to Off the Couch. One of the things that I've been really interested in this conversation that we actually had scheduled for a while and pushed it back for a couple of different reasons. If anybody listened to the the sort of big two-part conversation that we had previously on Off the Couch, we know that a massive topic was this book of yours, Ultra. And as you know, uh, well, you know, because you were part of the conversation, for those who've listened, know that that book really kind of knocked my socks off. And uh, (laughs) I would be very interested to hear what the reception of that book has been like. You know, you've written this thing, you put it out to the world, what have you heard back from readers? You know, that's uh, that's probably the, the the toughest part of producing a book, especially a book of that kind, because you know, um, I really opened up on a on a deep and personal level. So I made myself, I would say, extremely vulnerable, put myself out there. But I found that what I've learned so far was was absolutely worthwhile to share. And so I kind of, you know, I just pulled the trigger and I 
and I went for it. I decided to do it. And uh, the very, you know, while we were in the production of the book, of course, there's a, I want I don't want to say anxiety, but like apprehension, because of course you want it to do well, not just, of course, on a, on a uh, business level, you know, how many copies were selling, but received properly by the, by the readers. And, uh, you know, to my surprise, when he came out, it was it was accepted very well, and it is it is a different story than what we're used to. Because usually we're used to out to the underdog, and we're used to the guy that comes out of nowhere and makes it, and you know he, he raises his standards of life, and you know he he makes a new life for himself. For me, it was almost like you know I. I've had a good from the start and I've, and I've worked to make other things happen. And so it's hard to kind of, that was the hard, that was the, in my opinion, what I was afraid that people wouldn't receive properly. Well, cause you know, it's a different story than what we're used to, you know, than from the, what the movies are used to the hero's journey. Let's call it that way. In mine was a little different hero's journey. Um, but do, do you know what I mean? It, it's still a hero's journey. Yeah. So it's different. It's not like the Rocky story. You know, like when I think of the hero's journey, I always think about Rocky for some reason. Okay. Because like- it's it's one of the one of the staples, I think, of what the the whole cinematography that came in the last 20, 30, 40 years has been. You have the underdog, comes out of nowhere, everybody relate to it because whatever. And you know, and then eventually he has nothing to lose and he makes a lie for it. But I think nowadays we are in a different, it's a different setting in which we're raised, where we come from, most of us at least. You know, we come from already a secure, somewhat secure uh, beginning. So I think it's even harder to make it happen because you got to break through that mold. You got to break through that comfort zone that you already have. So why challenge yourself? Why put yourself out there? So perhaps right now I'm getting off track with the, with the answer, but... I think that, you know, at least on a personal level, that was my, my major concern. Um, I wanted to make sure that people understood why I felt the urge to, to share my story. And uh, when I got to, you know, I absolutely, you know, venture in uncharted waters when I came to the country and I put myself out there and things happened and it brought me here and it brought me there and eventually to discover ultra running and this pursuit, you know, that has become my my life pursuit in a way. Then you know, then there there are a lot more commonalities and relatable points because we all aspire to something, and it is the difficulty of breaking through the the comfortable lives that we already have. Because why you know, and I speak again out of the out of experience and out of the majority of the people that I've met and known in my life. We all pretty much have had, a, you know, we've been raised in a in the Western society, so you already have a high standard of lifestyle, life, and you have access to education, and eventually you can get a job, and whether you have money or not to start to begin with, you can make uh, a good life for yourself, and you don't need to, you know, yeah, you need to study, you need to invest in yourself, but there is not a visceral uh venturing uh, or exploration of the self and growth because it's it's already prepackaged for us. So whatever you want to do outside the lines requires a lot of courage. And that was what I think, especially the newer generation need to hear. You know, you don't need to confront, to, com- to conform to, to the status quo. You can challenge yourself. You can challenge your, your status and you can create whichever life that you you can envision, and so that was that was received well. <laughs> I want to understand this when you were saying, "I'm not sure this is the typical hero's journey or something." Certainly, your story is not what we call that rags to riches story. It it wasn't the person that is you know homeless and you know barely surviving, and then comes to do something remarkable but but i think and just to help our listeners track this idea that if we're all every one of us living in greater or lesser degrees of comfort or routine 
I mean, that's what I thought was kind of the power of the book is how do you break out of that cycle? How, how do we push ourselves maybe when we aren't in the back is literally up against the wall, you know, our very existence is being threatened. Right. How and why do we sort of go ultra, go beyond? Well, sticking to pretty much the, the thought and the concept that I just shared, I think there's a pivotal change right at the base of it. Um, and the reason is 50 years ago, 40 years ago, the change was, was, a, was, a, was outside, was a search for material riches, was a, was a way of bettering your life. I think because there was a, an economical crisis at the time or at least throughout the period of growth that we had in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So the, the, I think the, the perspective back then was, I need to achieve this so I can have a better life. I think uh, in our times, we don't need any more of that. I think our challenges right now are personal, are spiritual. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, high, it's, it's a different degree of search. And I think where we are right now, it's more challenging because it's not just a material pursuit, but it's a, it's a personal, it's deeply tied to our emotional self, to our inner self, to our psychology, to our mind, to, our, to everything that is not outside of us. And so that's why we always, you know, there's a lot of people nowadays sharing the fact that we don't need any more businessmen, that we don't need any more lawyers. We need spiritual guides. We need gurus. We need people that can allow us to expand our consciousness and reach a higher understanding of who we are and what we're doing on this planet. So um, to me, that's what ultra running represented. It didn't represent a way to make money and be successful because that's far away from, I could have picked a million yeah. and one other, you know, careers, uh, jobs or whatever to, uh, improve my financial status. Um, but I didn't choose those one million and one. I choose this one particular, um, uh, activity or endeavor because, that's the most special one that I found, the most unique mean that I found to achieve or at least pursue that search, the inner search. And, uh, and that allowed me to eventually pursue that vision that I had 11 years ago, 12 years ago, sitting outside that New York uh, windowsill. And, uh, you know, and he allowed me to answer a lot of questions. Don't get me wrong. I still have a lot of them. <laughs> I don't have everything figured out. But um, this is the one task that is allowing me to, to find the answers. I mean, the book Ultra is the kind of chronicling of your own journey. And you've talked a bit about, you know, moving away from an obsession or any kind of pursuit of like the strictly material comfort or fame and money and the rest. And you've moved into this other category. But one of the things that you have either fortunately or unfortunately experienced since we last talked is that even on this path, it's not like all the challenges of life are now, you know, gone because you chose, let's say, perhaps a better path, at least a different path. And I was very interested in that precisely because the book Ultra really is a bit of a how-to book of like, hey, people, we can break out of a, an addiction to comfort. We can break away from an addiction to routine. So I guess we just go from here to talk a bit about this past fall and winter of yours. And again, when we last talked, Ultra was just released. And then what? <laughs> and then what happened? Yeah. Well, you know, um, this past year, and I say, I would say for a lot of us, it's been, uh, at least for me, I think it's it's been more challenging than 2020. Um for many, many different reasons. One is, of course, you know, the, the whole pandemic situations and restrictions and whatever, whatever. I've, you know, on a good note, I was able to finally see the family, which mm -hmm. was in Italy after two years plus. So, um, you know, there have been definitely highs, but they've been followed by crippling, debilitating lows. 
And, uh, and those have been very, very, very challenging. Um, and I felt it a lot this year. I had to really confront all those demons, let's call that, let's <laughs> say that. I had to, uh, you know, uh, get my shiny sword out and kind of battle it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, the challenge started right from the beginning, you know, beside the, uncer- the uncertainties that we all had to face. But uh, on a personal level, producing the book was, was, a, was a great effort. Of course, not just on a physical and the time and, and energy that I put into it, but on an emotional level. Because like we said before, it's not, you know, I'm not just telling you the story of me running uh, here and there, but I open on a, on a personal, deeper level. And so this level of, uh, of involvement and opening up at the level definitely left me a little raw for some time. It's almost like, you know, reopening certain boxes that have been closed for a long time and facing again those 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 thoughts and kind of reprocessing everything that happened in the past and how I confronted it then, how I felt about it now. So all of these things, you know, that you th- you say, oh, you know, it's just like you're telling a story, but it's how meaningful that story is that leaves the trace, right? That leaves the trace behind. And so to me, that was the first challenge, producing the book. A lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of emotional drainage. Um, eventually came out and that was that gave me a great boost of energy because it was received well. I had great feedbacks. I helped out a lot of people. You know, a lot of people reached out. I did a lot of interviews. I connected with, you know, connected and related with a lot of uh, like-minded people like yourself among the very top. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and so, you know, that was just the beginning. Then, of course, alongside it, I still had to work on myself. I still had to train. I still had to dedicate in, you know, conditioning myself to the big adventures that I had uh, planned for the year. Um, I did a couple of races, smaller races here. They went okay because they were in preparation. I did a, a podium here at 50K. And then I was like, okay, now I'm heading into bad water. That was my first big adventure, big challenge set for the year. And, you know, I won the race in 2018 in my last run. So I had, I don't want to say I had expectations, but of course I knew what I, what I was capable of. And you want to strive to at least match that or be better than that, right? Uh, unfortunately, that day did not pan out the way I envisioned it. I had, uh, it was a very different day in Death Valley. It was kind of cool. I messed up my whole nutrition, my whole hydration um, strategy. And uh, I suffered through 50 miles of the race and I pulled out. I was in fourth position at the time. And I just, you know, I, I, I battled pretty much for six hours, seven hours through the night. Uh, very, very bad stomach cramps and, you know, I know how to deal with the type of uh, setbacks, but if they don't turn around, you know, I understand the highs and lows that come in dealing with this and the pain waves and all of that. But if if you never come out, then I was like, you know, I'm not up for, for a death march. And so I've done that in 2016. I don't need to prove anything. That's where I'm at. And so I pulled the plug and I decided to live to fight another day. You talked about this a bit on social media, at least, but can you just say a word about when you say the hydration strategy was a bit off? Can you say a bit more specifically what sort of the mistake was? Or Absolutely. You know, when you do these type of races, we all, we, when we talk about ultra marathons, you think about you know, long distance running, you think about physical preparation, you think about what is the, you know, you moving your body for so many hours, but the behind the scenes is actually filled with a lot of strategy, a lot of preparation dedicated to how you're going to implement your nutrition and your hydration throughout the run, because that's the fundamental part. If you cannot fuel your car, you're yeah. going to be stranded in the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I had a very strong set plan. I have like detailed guidelines that I write down minute by minute, what I need here, what I need there. And I dedicate time and I put my mind to it for, you know, the week before the race to think about how it's going to pan out, what I'm going to need here after 
five hours what is that my body is going to require. And I'm not going to do it out of field during the race. I'm going to set it in stone so there are no mistakes. Uh, The one problem that happened is I pretty much, I don't want to say I copied my 2018 plan, but I was very much close to it because I was expecting Death Valley to be Death Valley. While this year, and and which I mean, by that I mean a very hot environment, which takes a big toll on your physical strength, you know, you put your, it puts your body to a very high level of strain and effort. Running 125, 130 degrees, you need to implement the, the, the electrolytes, your liquids, your nutrition accordingly. What happened is the night before, a big storm rolled in. It was absolutely humid, which is very, very... Uh, Weird, I would say for summer in Death Valley, it's usually the driest place, the hot, driest, and hottest place on earth. It was oddly humid and quite comfortable temperature. When we got to the start, it was barely in the hundreds, while two years prior it was 124 at 11 p.m. So I made a rookie mistake, I didn't adjust. I started off following the plan and I was like, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna settle in and then I'll see how I feel. I started out on a, on a heavy dose of electrolytes and it kind of cooked my stomach lining right from the get go. So 30 minutes into the race, I started feeling cramps and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna try to work it through. Two hours through, I'm like, okay, I'm still battling, but you know, I'm at the beginning, it's gonna go bad. It's gonna, it's gonna, I'm gonna come out of this. I'm going to eat something. I'm going to drink more liquids. Eventually, I'm going to let it settle. It didn't work. Three hours, still suffering. Four hours, still suffering. Six hours, still suffering. I'm like, all right, this is like a battle right from the beginning. And so when I got to 50 miles in, it was about sunrise the following morning. So about seven hours into the race, eight hours into the race, I'm about 50 miles in. And I'm like, okay, this is... You know, I still have 85 miles to go. You know, I often tr- de- detach from that thought, like we've spoken in the previous yep. interview, yep. when I tell you about the, you know, the mental games and the, me- you know, kind of working on the on presence, detaching from what's going to be, where is what's happened before, you know, so that you don't create all these scenarios and you work on what needs to be done in that moment. Presence, mindfulness, let's call it that. But, uh, you know, there also comes a time where you need to face that if something is not working, it's you cannot fix it, then, you know, you're just going to hurt yourself. And that's always the toughest decision. That's always the toughest decision to pull the plug because in the end, I knew that I could have got it out. But if it's not the experience that I was up, that I was in for, then it's just, I see it just as a waste of energy because I already won the race. Uh, I set out, I set out to do, to achieve something bigger this time, which was not just completing the race, but going to the top of Whitney, continuing the journey 11 miles after the 135 miles of the race itself. So 146 to the top and then coming back down. So the whole thing would have been 157 mile endeavor. And if at 50 miles in, I am crippled and bent in half and I can barely walk, you know, I don't need to prove anything to anybody. This is the best part to be in. This is where I worked hard to be in. I don't need to do this for anybody else but for myself. And if I'm not happy, if I'm not feeling well, I'm going to pull the plug. And so I did. Let me do the summary. This will be like bad water for dummies or something here. But so, <laughs> yes. but again, I mean, you're you, the idea or, or the quote unquote mistake was everyone going into bad water. It's like rule number one. If you don't have, if you allow yourself to get slightly dehydrated, you are screwed. Is that correct? Like that is so clearly Absolutely. It, you, you cannot have that happen. And so the temperatures were less hot than a typical year of bad water. And you stayed with the, I cannot commit the most important 
you know, the biggest sin or mistake, which is to allow yourself to get even slightly dehydrated because no one can do this. It, okay. So that was, sorry, everybody. Well, that was bad my, water. My for problem dummy. here was the, the opposite. I overly hydrated. Yeah. Right. Right. Or at least I overly did it. And so that, and it wasn't about liquids because when we're talking about hydration, we just talk about liquids. It's not about just drinking water. It's about the electrolyte gains because that's what keeps your body functioning, especially in those high temperatures. It's almost like the cooling system for a car. So if you don't have the right cooling system to keep your engine working, you're gonna you're gonna gas out. You're gonna you're gonna you know blow out the engine. My problem was. I put too much li- yep. <laughs> cooling, yeah. cooling liquid, and it kind of engulfed the engine. And so when I couldn't move anymore, I I was like, you know, I've been battling throughout the night, and this is not uh, turning around. This is going to require a little more time for my stomach to recover, and it did after a few days. But in that moment, I I was not willing to hurt myself for another you know, 12, 15 plus hours of, of effort. Yeah. Cause I knew that that was just like my, that was my very first race, big race of the year. I had other things planned afterwards. And so I knew that if I kept grinding it, I knew I could have finished. That's not a question. The question is how much I w- was I willing to sacrifice? And so at that moment, that's when I came to the realization that I needed to pull the plug and live to fight another day. Okay, moving on away from bad water. Is this when we start talking about your Achilles? Well, man, (laughs) we went from one problem to another. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it, it, it might sound weird to say, but bad water was was absolutely a target race, but it was a race that I was doing almost as training for Tahoe. Tahoe was going to be my A race for the season. I was, I trained all year on trails. I prepared for the big race in Tahoe, 200 miles around Lake Tahoe. And so you cannot say you run bad water for training, but in terms of what I prepare and how I prepare, at this type of races, it was definitely a building block to preparation, to conditioning, to Tao. And, you know, mind that Bedwater is all on the road. So it was already a coming off the trails for me and venturing on a desert road. So I definitely kind of mixed it up a little bit. But when Bedwater didn't go well, I was like, you know what, let's just turn the page. I turned the chapter. Let's look forward with fresh with a fresh mind, with a fresh spirit, okay? I don't need to dwell on what that, what, what that experience has been. I, I faulted and I acknowledged that I made a mistake and I just moved on. So it was a very easy absorbed um, setback, let's call that, failure. Um, and I think, you know, it, it takes a little time to accept those. But after so many years in the sport, so many years in this discipline, I learned to kind of digest those those situations, those those failures, because that's that's what these races are. You know, those races allow you to put yourself out there and live the adventure, and not always can go well. So if you always have you you have to learn to accept that sometimes you're not gonna be able to confront them, and that's okay. You know, <laughs> you cannot always be a winner. You always have to learn to absorb the the setbacks and the failures that come your way. Um, so looking up at Tao, I was like, all right, I have a whole month of August. Tao is at the beginning of September. I am going to enjoy the mountains. I went out to the Sierras. I was enjoying long days, long days out there. I was feeling great. My body was like, I would say tip top shape coming into the end of the summer. And it's exactly what I wanted to be. But then... <laughs> There's always things around the corner that you can't control, right? That's life. And uh, COVID didn't stop us. Uh, this thing and that didn't stop us. But California fire fires came in. And they swept the whole coast. Last summer was tragic. We've been hit from north to south. 
And uh, just about four days before the race, five days before the race, I was my car was ready packed. I was ready to take off, and the race got canceled. And so you're like, ah, you know, I trained pretty much all season. And here we're talking about I trained about six to nine months prior. That's when I started my training. Not, you know, it's a progressive, gradual growth, but that's when you start, nine months prior. And so I'm like, okay, I dedicated so much time. What am I going to do now? Moab was on the, was out there, but I'm like, I already did it a year prior. I don't have any calling, really, going back there. You know, you need to, at least for myself, I need to find a deeper meaning of why am I running the race. I can't just toe the line because... I want to go for a run. No, that's that's not the case. If you want to do that, you do a 10K, you do a half marathon, you do a marathon. When you go, when you venture in ultra marathons, I think there needs to be a, 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 a deeper reason that brings you to that specific event, why you're running it. And Moab didn't answer the question anymore. I already did it. I want it. That's okay. I'd, you know, going back again would have been just redundant, in my opinion. <laughs> And I don't like that. And so a phone call to a friend in Italy, a, a dear friend of mine, Dino Bonelli, he's a famous, you know, very famous established uh, sports photographer out there. He follows me all the, all, you know, all over. We've done a lot of adventures, you know, um, including my win at Bedwater, the deserts, Atacama, Gobi, different stuff. Speaking to him, it was like, oh man, I'm so sorry it happened. You know, they canceled the race and blah, blah, blah. But he was like, you know what? Give me a second. He hangs up. He calls back after a minute and a half. He's like, do you want to run tour? And I was like, I guess. <laughs> it sounds like, I mean, tour, for those who don't know it, Tour de Jean is the toughest ultra trail in the world. We're talking about 205 miles with 80,000 feet of elevation up and 80,000 down, which to put it in perspective, is like climbing Mount Everest from sea level, not twice, not once, not twice, but two and a half times over the course of 200 miles run. Those are the toughest, that's the, through the toughest section of the Italian Alps in Valle d'Aosta. So I'm like, I'm drawn to adventure. And I'm like, you know what? It sounds like an excellent idea. I'm not <laughs> ready at all because I trained for 200 miles, but the environment is so different. Think about this. Tao has about, shy of 30,000 feet of elevation. There we're talking about two and a half times more. So yes, I trained for altitude. Yes, I trained for distance, but the level of intensity and grade that you're facing, it's a, it's a difference of, you know, skiing uh, the baby slopes or skiing a double di a black diamond. Okay, so that's a diff different level of preparation. I was a very good skier on a baby slope. <laughs> I didn't have my legs for the double black diamond. But you knew. But, but you knew yeah. this. You were. I knew it. Okay. Oh yeah, I knew it. I knew it. But you know, I I was like, you know what? I wanna I wanna do it. It doesn't. It does. I wanna see how I how I do. If, how, if I throw myself in it, I know I haven't prepared for it properly. I know I'm fit. And I know I want to see with this level of fitness how I can rank up, how I can confront this humongous challenge. And so I took a plane, first trip I've done since March 2020. So first trip into COVID. It was a challenge getting there, you know tests and not tests and this and that and whatever, whatever. I know you're about to face a new an, a, a intercontinental trip, so yeah. I don't envy you. I envy you that you're going to Austria. No, I don't envy you the traveling. <laughs> but um, eventually I made it there and you know, I found fact. I told the line and I'm among these, you know, they put me among the you know, the top runners and we are about, you know, 20, 30 of us in the top ranking and you know, at the start, top field. And, and I'm, I'm out there. I know a bunch of these guys, you know, there was a bunch, a couple of guys from Colorado that live in uh, Silverton, Durango area. There's a, a bunch of other Italian friends out there. And I'm hanging out there with, with, you know, small talking, chit-chatting at the start to kind of break the, the, 
you know, the anxiety, the, yeah. the nerves. And as I'm sitting there and chatting, I'm like, I come to the, to the, it kind of dawns on me and I'm like, this is the first time in the season I'm holding poles in my hands. <laughs> you know, like the hiking sticks, the hiking poles. And I'm like, all right, this is, this is not a good thought, but you know what? It doesn't matter. Don't let it, don't let it touch you. And, uh, you know, those trails are so steep that about 90% of it on the uphills, you cannot run. You need to hike. You need to power hike. So the race doesn't become more, the race isn't about how fast you can run. It's how fast you can hike. So this, these, type, these guys uh, here talking about European guys, they do a ton of schema throughout the winter to build to it. He were talking about people that do anywhere from 30 to 50,000 feet of climbing every single week of the year, building to greater mileage and elevation throughout the summer to tackle this event. So when I found myself on the first uphill, I, you know, it was early in the race. I went out very comfortable and all these guys taking off. And, you know, I, I was hanging out with some, some of the guys that had podium before. So I knew I was in a sweet spot. I'm like, I'm not pushing too hard. And I'm kind of with the, you know, with strong runners right now, strong mountain runners. So I'm like, I'm going to see how it goes from here. I got to the first checkpoint after 50 miles and I was 40th, which is like in a field of a thousand, it might sound okay. But, you know, if you're looking from a competitive standpoint, 40th, it's like you're way back. You're like, you're not even close to the the top. But I was like, it's okay. You know, we are 15 miles in, 205 mile race. A whole lot of everything can happen. And so throughout the night, you know, I started chipping in and I started you know, reeling people back in and um, mind that in the first 60 miles, so first 100K, I had I had climbed already over 30,000 feet. So that doesn't happen. I mean, you think about the hardest races we have here in the country. You're talking about hard rock. Hard rock has 30,000 feet of climbing in 100 miles. And that's one of the hardest events you can do here. There... The same elevation in 60 miles. So think about it. It's like, whoa, like that. Um, really technical, really steep, really dangerous mountain passes. And I loved every minute of it. But about 60 miles in, I started going up on the steepest and highest mountain of the whole course. It's called Lausanne at about 11.5. Right as I was approaching the top, the, the top of the peak, I had a couple of guys in front of me, so I was kind of chasing. I could see the lights, you know, going up the switchbacks at the top of the mountain. I'm like, okay, I'm catching up, I'm catching up. I was reeling people in. I was passing people. I was like, I was feeling good. I'm like, okay, now, because it's easy to go out fast. But in ultra running, you got to think about the distance. It's almost like the hare and the, the tortoise, yeah. right? You got to be a fast tortoise. <laughs> you got to be a con- consistent tortoise, a fit tortoise. Um, and so I was pushing, pushing, pushing. And eventually on a push off, right as I'm cresting, I feel almost like a pop in my Achilles. And I was like, oh boy, no bueno. Uh, you know, okay, I'm at the top right now. I'm going to start going down. But I felt that I couldn't really push off. And uh, eventually I had a 10, actually longer. It was like over 12, 14 miles of downhill coming into Konya, 65 miles into the race, 30 plus thousand feet already climbed. And I got down to the bottom and I knew that I just, you know, that I couldn't face another uphill. So that's where my body brought me. My spirit was high. My mind was doing great. I was emotionally very relaxed. Um, but... That's where my body brought me. My body was like, okay, this is this is the end of the line for us. And that's when I was like, very comfortably, I got there and I was like, you know what? I wasn't ready. I knew that. I acknowledged that. But he also gave me, gave me a great deal of confidence because by the time I got to that station, despite the injury, despite everything, I was 
I was catching up to 10th place. And we were still very early in the race. So I knew that my strength come in the later part, like when we are in the depth zone, <laughs> in the death zone, let's call it that way. And so uh, that's why I kind of packed my stuff. I left and I was like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back with the proper preparation. And I started about a couple of weeks ago, the preparation, and I'm going back to tour this year with the right preparation. And I want to see how I do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so that was, a, that was a bit of a long story, I but it. I needed no. to get those, those moments in because it's the breaking point that define your choices, that define what you're going to do, how you're going to deal with them and how you're going to react to them. And so, yeah. One of the most powerful and compelling messages about your book, Ultra, really is the ability of the mind and the ability of the spirit to, in a way, and you can correct me if you disagree with this formulation, but I'd say, in a way, it's the ability of the mind and spirit to sort of override the physical. Absolutely. And with what you've just very well laid out and explained about what happened at Badwater and what happened at Tor. I was like, I wonder if this has adjusted at all Michaela's thoughts about the power of the mind, the power of the spirit versus, say, the power or the reality of the physical. I learned. <laughs> I learned to accept that. I learned to accept that. Um, I, w I don't want to say right away because, you know, my, my, the very beginning, I, it was, you know, I started off this whole career, this whole, you know, journey in ultra running with the debilitating failure at the Keys 100. So I kind of faced that, I tasted that right from the get-go. And so to me, it's only been in the reestablishing of, of the pattern and understanding that I cannot control everything. I can prepare, I can condition myself, I can uh, kind of set the mind right and create the mental space that I need. I can condition the body, I can train, but these are adventures. And just like in every adventure, Adventure begins when you're out of your comfort zone, when you venture into known territory. So you cannot expect to be in control of everything. And that's why I I don't want to say I take it lightheartedly, but I process it in a very fast way now. I don't want to say easy because when you pull the plug, it's always upsetting. You know, you dedicate yourself for so long, you train for so long, you know, you put in so much time and energy and effort in this specific one task and then it all crumbles. But you have to face it and you have to accept it. You know, you're, you're doing something extraordinary outside of your comfort zone. You're putting yourself out there, confronting your physicality, confronting your mind, confronting nature, the hardship of that extreme nature. So a thousand and one thing can go in, in the wrong direction. Um, it is the ability of facing them that defines you for sure. But if your boat is sinking and you're in the middle of the ocean, you can row as much as you want. <laughs> the boat is going to sink. And you need to accept that, that you need to just go back and build a better boat. Learn from your mistakes. You know, you cannot be defined. You know, failure is... And I think we spoke about this in our previous conversation. Failure doesn't define you. Failure is a necessary step, in my opinion, on your way to success. And that's why I spoke just a couple of days ago with, uh, with the organization, with Garmin, which is one of my main sponsors, and they already got me a bib. And I'm going back next September. So I have another few events along the way, but tour is going to be one of my main goals this year because now I know what needs to be done. Before it was almost like a jump in the unknown, a jump in, in the dark, if you will. And I needed to see how I faced it without the preparation. So now I know what needs to be done 
to toe the line with the knowledge that I did everything, that I checked all the boxes and that I did everything I could to prepare properly for it. So that, that day when it comes, if I fail, then it's, it's my mistake. And if well I said. succeed, then I hit the right note, you know, and that's what I like about it. And just like my first bad water, you know, I kind of went out there, adventuring into, you know, uncharted territory for myself and I failed miserably. I mean, I finished, but I failed miserably. I suffered incredibly. But when I went back in 2018, I knew exactly what I needed to do. And with that, you know, it's almost like, you're acknowledging the fact that, or you're conscious about the fact that you did everything. You did your homework. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like in school. You know, you studied, you did all homework, and then the test can go well or right, but most likely it's going to go right because you you know your stuff, right? <laughs> so it's it's about that understanding and the knowledge when you told the line that you did everything you could to prepare properly for that. And then you put yourself out there and see what happens. Well, since we've been sort of focused on some of the difficult things uh, that you've experienced in, in this past year, there's also another part of this. And that is when you're a person that is given yourself fully to the pursuits that you have been well explaining and trying to see what you as a person are capable of. This can take a toll in other ways, too. On your personal life, for sure. Uh, you know, it's not a clean slate. You know, it's not, it's not neutral. Life is not neutral. You know, here we're talking about uh, a, a phys- like a, an endeavor, a pursuit that is uh, what I'm doing, that, is, that takes me out there. It is what I enjoy. It is what gives me, what fulfills me in many ways. But behind it, there's also a person, a human being that has a life, that has a home, that has a relationship. And, you know, we often just glide over it and we assume that everything is fine. Everything is peachy. <laughs> but um, unfortunately, the reality the reality is life uh, catches up on, on everything. And, you know, when you dedicate yourself so much to this one endeavor, there's other things that are going to lack your focus and attention that is going to lack your energy. And so, you know, of course the, the relationship is always one of the hardest things to, to kind of make work. I don't want to say make work, but, you know, be dedicated to, I, you know, thankfully, or I was not thankfully because definitely been striving for it. So, (laughs) so it's not like a given, but I've been able to kind of, balance it out because uh, the fact that it's also being a, a pro athlete I, I don't have you know now thankfully I don't have a, another job on the side that takes me away from home so I'm dedicated to my training just as much as I would to a job and and then the rest of the time I try to be a dedicated and loving husband at home but uh, even that it's uh, it's it's never easy because of course what I do is very much on the far end of the spectrum of running, of trail running, of mountain running, of extreme running. And uh, the level of commitment that I set for myself, I guess, is very much focused on this. And it's, you know, they're the only reason is I acknowledge that I only have a limited amount of time to be the best that I can, to pursue this the best that I can, and to go for it. So... I don't want to say that everything else falls on a second level, but in a way, there needs to be an understanding from your partner that this is your craft, that this is what you want to do because this is who you are. This is your calling. It's not just like, uh, you know, I'm not going out to the bar with friends and just being stupid and drinking. I am pursuing myself. (laughs) I'm pursuing a higher calling. I'm pursuing a vision, something that gives me meaning, fulfillment, and and allows me to live a purposeful, purposeful life. So ultimately, though it's a, it's an egotistical pursuit, it's also something, an endeavor that allows me to be a better person, more content. So yeah, I'm sacrificing some time and energy here, but when I come back, I'm a very centered, balanced, grateful, content person because 
I know that what I'm doing is for myself, to better myself, to set myself up for greater things. And so this has always been a, a tough topic at home. And we definitely have been through some rough seas with my wife in the past few months. I don't often share private things, but I think this is necessary right now. So, you know, through this turmoil of failed races and, you know, different things that I had to deal with this year, this was also a very uh, sore, uh, tough note to, you know, to deal with. And, you know, these past few months have been quite challenging on our relationship because it's not just about the pursuit and the endeavor, but it's also the lifestyle that comes with it. Like I love living, I want to be in the mountains. I love the mountains. I, I enjoy the solitude because that solitude allowed me to create that mental space that I need to venture in these long endeavors. It's all connected in many ways. You know, it's not just, it's, it's almost like the, the, the nutrition that comes with it. You know, I follow a certain regimen. I follow a certain nutrition because that's, it's all part of it. And so, you know, we are not all the same. And my wife has her own visions, has her own pursuits. And so it's definitely been difficult to, to make it all, to connect the dots. But I am very grateful to have a, you know, to, to have a partner that has been able to kind of see past that to kind of I don't want to say yield by yield a little bit <laughs> you know to to this to to my vision and uh and right now we're working on on ourselves and and we're trying to create a, a shared vision for the future that is not just me running <laughs> or me doing thing this thing but it is a vision that involves the both of us in in a pursuit of what calls us so I don't have the answer. <laughs> I don't have a definite answer, but um, I'm very happy to say that we've been putting these problems aside and we are, you know, we, we, we kind of reconciliated and we are, we're happy <laughs> again. So that's good. I'm very happy to hear that. And uh, I mean, the dynamics of every single relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a life partner, these things are often if not always, I think always somewhat complicated and complex and Absolutely. often extremely complicated. And <laughs> yes, you know, I, one of my favorite quotes is actually from Spinoza. And I, I just, it always comes to mind for me, but it's all excellent things are as difficult as they are rare. And I think like anyone trying to really be excellent at any endeavor it always comes at great costs and great commitment. And we might pursue something sort of wholeheartedly because if you aren't pursuing it wholeheartedly, you won't be excellent. Right. But how, <laughs> right. But how do you do that and also try to be in a rich, robust relationship? No, yeah, well, you know, I, I kind of jump in because this is something that that pretty much I've had to deal with since the beginning. You know, my wife, my wife and I have been together for, um, for almost 12 years. We met in New York when I was still a model. We met at an acting academy. Uh, we were living a completely different life. I changed. Mm -hmm. uh, I went from a cocoon into a, a turn into something completely different, not even a butterfly. I think about <laughs> into a whale. I went from, <laughs> from a bug into a mammal. Uh, a bug <laughs> into a, I mean? a fast tortoise. <laughs> exactly, into a fast tortoise. There you go. So, you know, the one thing that I kind of hmm. processed and understood throughout the years is that just as you said, you know, if you want to be, I don't want to see successful, but if you want to be, um, you know, every artist needs to be married to his own art, to his own craft. If you want to pursue it at the highest level and express yourself at the highest level, because that is the requirement. Everything else would be just, a, you know, a hobby, which would be a waste of time, in my opinion. You can do something for fun here and there, but if you're pursuing something, you have to give it your whole self, 100%. So that's why the saying comes in handy, you know, every artist should marry his own craft. It's because you either are completely dedicated to it 
and you're alone. Or if you have a partner, you have to have an understanding partner. And there's no other way around it. That's around. That's why I call it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's an egotistical endeavor in many ways. But that's what we're here for. You know, we're here to actualize ourselves. We're here to actualize our visions. We're here to to make those dreams become a reality. And if you do it on and off, those they're never going to materialize. You're going to be on all the time. You need to understand those fluctuations. You need to deal with the setbacks. You need to dedicate and, and grow and better yourself every single day. And so if you don't have a partner that yield to that, that understand that, that understands that and respects that, then there's no way you can make it happen. And in the end, you know, one thing that I was, that I came to the realization was, you know, we were very close to splitting up. It's because, you know, despite all the love that I have for my wife, I still couldn't deny myself. You know, this is one journey we got. We got one ride. And, you know, I don't want to say people come and go, but, you know, you have to be, you have to set yourself up. You need to prioritize yourself because in the end, 10, 20, 30 years from now, when you look back, you don't, you, I don't want to have any what ifs left in there. You know, there, there, there shouldn't be any, any rocks and turns. There shouldn't be any questions that you haven't at least strived to find an answer. Maybe you never find it, but you know that at least you tried to. And so with that understanding, we were very close to come to separate ways. And the love that we have for each other kept bringing us together. And so with this higher understanding now, we have, we almost like turned a page after 11 plus years, 12 years almost together, we turned a page to a, to a new chapter, to a higher understanding of each other and our visions. We are very different people in many ways. Uh, and so, and that's okay. You know, we cannot always be the same. It might be boring too, you know, <laughs> if we were doing the same thing. So, you know, with the with the with a little bit of more understanding from each side, I think you can make anything happen. But there has to be that understanding. So let me ask, what new understanding do you have or what compromise have you made? Because I doubt this is really gonna work if it's just one person being like, Okay, I understand who you are and what you're pursuing. So I, I'm saying more than I know here, but it's just a question. I mean well, here the conversation could go on for like four uh, hours and I a know. half. But <laughs> maybe this will be, we might save this for another gonna, time. I mean, it's. We're going to have to do like a series of episodes, <laughs> but uh, to try to be, you know, uh, to summarize a little bit of, of what is our understanding is the fact that I, you know, I don't want to hold her back. And as much as she doesn't want to hold me back. Uh, you know, my, my wife is a dancer. My wife is a teacher. My wife needs people. My wife needs interaction. My wife needs that she has a creative mind while I, I am very much drawn to solitary pursuits. Like today is a snowy day. I cannot wait to put on my shoes and get lost in the forest and go hit the mountains in this, this blizzard. That's what I enjoy. I, I like to feel that connection with myself, the connection with nature and I don't want to say I don't need people, but I don't need that structure behind it. I love company, but I don't need that whole, you know, I lived in the city for so many years. Now I have a, almost like a rejection to it. I have like a, an allergy to it <laughs> while she's looking for that. And, uh, and that's okay. You know, we, we're not the same, but if the love is strong behind it, then, you know, the understanding that we came to is, you know, we can find a, a common space and at times we can go on our separate ways and do what we need to do, but with the knowledge that we always have a base to come to and a love fundamental right there that gives us a solid base to kind of, you know, spring from. And that's a good place to be. Well, as you've said, um, we've actually touched on a number of topics that we could, any one of them would be deserving of a, a lot more exploration. But I think I'm going to let you go for now. 
and uh, and maybe, we're gonna live it yeah. <laughs> in the gray zone. Yeah, and um, <laughs> dot dot dot. Yeah, I mean, aren't we all in a state of dot dot dot? Right. Yeah. I mean, oh, absolutely. That's, it's a constant. Yeah. The constant. <laughs> There's always dot, dot. something common, but I think the new understanding for me right now is uh, less attachment, less attachment to to things, being a little more detached. If it makes sense. Wait a minute. I I know you don't mean. <laughs> sorry, you brought this on yourself. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know you don't mean material things. That's not yeah. what you mean. Less attachment to things. Uh, I mean to to everything, not just material things. I think less attachment to, uh, you know, we at least for myself, I tend to put a lot of pressure, and because I, you know, I I know how much how much I'm investing in what I'm doing, and a lot of time, you know, with the with that price that you pay, you also expect a certain outcome. And so being a little less controlling and ex- having expectation over things and uh, being a little more present and grateful for where I'm at, that was my pivotal moment over the understanding over this past couple of months. I came to, through. I went through a very, very... Um, Stormy seas, let's say that. Very challenging section um, chapter this past couple of months over the fall. Uh, you know, the weight of the failed races and, uh, you know, the marriage uh, crumbling and all of these things were kind of f- slipping through. And so taking a step back, finding my balance and understanding that it's not under my control, but I can do something about it for the better and being a little less emotionally attached, allow me to kind of cruise and navigate the labyrinth, if you mind, and uh, detach from all these mental perceptions and, and constructions that we put up for ourselves. I, I took a step back and I, and I took a deep breath. And that kind of allowed me to, to see a little more clearly what I was doing, how I was doing it, and what I want to do from now on, or at least, you know, for what I can see for now and what I'm trying to establish and plan and schedule for the year, for the new year. So it, it's almost like I went through the fall and winter, and now I feel like the seed is, is springing a little bit. If it makes sense, there's almost like a natural regrowth. And so I want to see this as a, as a fresh start and I'm turning the page. I actually just turned the page to a new chapter. And so we'll see what the future brings, but I know that with this renewed energy, only good things are going to come. So I'm leave you with a great deal of positivity. <laughs> Which is a nice place to be as we uh, as we enter a new year. And um, well, Michaela, I I actually one of the best things of this past year has been getting to know you. And um, really, I so much appreciated your book. I've so much appreciated these conversations. I'm very happy to know you. I can't wait to just continue to see how these adventures go. And maybe in part because I know it's part of the sort of bigger project of, as you say in Ultra, it is a bit about what are human beings capable of? And you're sort of using yourself as a, you know, data set of one, maybe. You know, I'm always going to root for for people that are pushing those types of boundaries, asking those kind of questions. And, um, you know, and in today's conversation, I really appreciate you talking about some of the difficulties of those pursuits. You know, I, I think that I, I hope that will resonate with a lot of people, you know, help set them up for their own spring, as it were, uh, as we do Absolutely. come into this new year. So uh, yeah. once again, that's a message that we want to share. Yeah, that's a message that we want to share. And, uh, you know, transcending all these barriers or, or our perceived limitation to allow ourselves to live fully, ultimately, to live 
with meaning to live with purpose and to find ourselves, you know, our, our fulfillment. I don't want to say happiness because happiness is volatile, Yeah. but find the center of that, that sweet space where you are content and you were, you know, in any way or in any pursuit, in any endeavor that you're, that you're going after, you know, finding that center, that place, that energy that allows you to actualize yourself. And that's, that to me is the ultimate, um, I would say the ultimate meaning of our, of our existence, actualizing ourselves at the highest level and see what we're capable of. So with this, with this message, I'll, you know, I'll, I hope that people would take the chance and, you know, kind of question what they're doing and, and, and perhaps embrace their deepest fears and confront them to be able to, to move the next step towards whichever destination they have in mind, whichever dream they have laid ahead. So yeah, just got to get out there and, and get it. Hmm. <laughs> There's no other way. Yeah. Yeah. But Jonathan, you know, I, I very much reciprocate everything you just said. It's been uh, a great pleasure of mine as well to connect with you. Cause I think we, we kind of resonate on the same wavelength. We kind of, you know, it's a good conversation because we, uh, in a way, we speak the same language. So I hope the listeners will enjoy this new talk. And, you know, it's always good to talk about the wins, but I think are the failures that define us and uh, make us stronger and allow us to better ourselves and, and you know, and just go for greater things without holding back. So let's, uh, let's go through this holidays. Happy 2022. We are coming. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Michaela, um, all the best as you kick off this new year. And uh, I think I'll just say um, I'm looking forward to the next conversation. Me too. Let's uh, let's see what the new year brings, but let's definitely keep in touch and we'll, we'll talk soon for Absolutely. sure. All right. You take care. Thank you. Well, that's it for this edition of Off the Couch. I want to say thanks to Michaela for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, Colorado, please take good care of yourself and everyone else. Please keep moving forward. And we will talk to you again real soon.